Welcome to the Beyond the Connection podcast with Joe Murphy and Mike Stover. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Beyond the Connection podcast. My name is Joe Murphy. I'm here with Mike Stover. What's going on, everybody? And we have our very special guest in the house. How you doing, Chris? I'm super fantastic, fellas. How y'all doing? Doing great. Can't complain, man. Doing great. Um, You want to start off with a little bit of a personal introduction. Tell us where you're from, how long you've been with CDM, any other background information you'd like to start off with? So I'm originally from Horsham, Pennsylvania. Born and raised there. Uh, Joined the military when I was roughly 27 years old. I was a stonemason, so I was actually building a building for our our high net wealthy individual. You ever hear of fleet credit cards? I have not. I don't believe so. Commerce Bank. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, The guy who owned Commerce Bank has a 60,000 square foot house. Wow. That was helped build. The towers got hit, and a couple months later, it's in the military. So that's kind of where my story kind of begins. Yeah, someone else. He owned five houses just like it. He had like a 60 foot tower on it. It was. It was utterly ridiculous. Wow. For four people. A lot of house. That's a lot of <laughs> yeah, house for yeah. four people. Yeah. And you had five just like it. That's crazy money. Yeah. Crazy, crazy money. I'm yeah. sure. So, so what, what brought you from there and in, into the military? So I've always wanted to join the military. Mm-hmm. And when I was 18 years old, I didn't think I had enough maturity behind my behind my belt to do it. So at, at 27, I was like, I'm, I'm going for it. And it, it worked out very well for me. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. So um, how long were you in the military for? So I was active duty for 10 and a half years. I got medically retired out because someone collapsed my parachute and I fell roughly from 100 foot, uh, landed on my butt. I didn't dare put my leg straight down or what shattered my femurs. So I landed on my butt. I popped two discs like balloons and broke my back. Wow. That effectively ended my military career. That's insane. Yeah. I'm sure you have a ton of stories. I, I, I got a couple I'm, stories. I'm ready to hear them. <laughs> I got a couple stories. They're not they're not always pretty, but how's this, how about related to the things that we actually make here? Yeah, yeah. What's your, tell us so, about your role here at CDM. So I'm the business development manager for the defense industry. So pretty much I go around to trade shows and make connections for CDM, which actually just got back from trade show from AUSA. That was in, um, was it down in Virginia? D.C. How was that? It was fantastic. It's awesome. The place was huge. I think I walked maybe eight miles every day, just walking around talking to people. Wow. Made some real good connections, and actually some of our material that we already make is on people's stuff already. It's actually very, very cool to see. That's great. And so you have a lot of experience um, as far as using a lot of the stuff that we provide here for customers at CDM firsthand? I actually do, yeah. And some of the things that are on other military vehicles really saved my life. So I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. 2004, Iraq. 2.30 in the morning, we're going out to do a, a combined raid with another agency. So my task was to provide security for people who were going in through the door. We took over Saddam's sister's palace on the Tigris River. So my job was, once again, to go pull security. So my squad leader gave me a IR strobe. IR strobe, it blinks at night. You can't see it during the daytime. You have to have like an IR filter or night vision for it to actually operate and see. So I took it upon his word that it worked. Took down a building, up on roof, kicked on an IR strobe, put it behind me because we had Apaches in the area that were going to help us out. We make parts for the Apache guys. So I'm clearing this building. I look ahead of me and I see crosshairs and a dot, dot, dot. That's the aiming system for the Apache. I look behind me, 
and there's an Apache looking me right in the face. I had to flip my IR strobe in my night vision to get to shift left off station because the IR strobe did not work. So they were painting us as we were enemies. Oh, my God. Yeah. Welcome to Iraq, fellas. That's epic. Yeah. That is, uh, that's just, that's just one of many of, of things that, you know, I've seen or, or I've done. Were yeah. you in Iraq for the full 10, you said 10 and a half years? No. No. So I did to Iraq, to Afghanistan. My longest deployment in Afghanistan for 15 months. Okay. So a lot of the radios that we make parts to, I've used them all the time. SATCOM, TACOM, you name it, I've used it. Your Blue Force Tracker, which we actually have parts of it in this room right now, I've used that very extensively too. It's like a giant GPS. So I'm sure that helps a lot when explaining to clients and customers as far as how you relate to it and how it actually works firsthand. Absolutely. So a lot of these guys have never seen the end user of the products that they make, like Raytheon, Lockheed make the Javelin. I've shot the Javelin more times than not. We make parts of the Apache. The Apache saved my tail. We make parts for the Bradley. The Bradley literally saved my life one day. I, I got all jacked up. I got, you know, explosions and I had shot to my face and hand grenade marks over my body. And the Bradleys came in and saved my life. So I have a stressful, I'm sorry, I have a very, can't really know how to, how to say it, but it's, really close to the heart with things that we make here mm-hmm. because I'm still here today. Yeah. So it's deeper than a, than a passion for this stuff. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it saved my life. So I tell that to the makers and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, really. So it really strikes a core with them, strikes a core with me. So I have a very passion for selling our product. And you, you just recently started partnering with CDM, correct? I haven't been here three months yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how, how, how's it been going as far as selling the stuff and coming up with plans for the future and where you could take the company? So when it comes to plans for the future, where I could take the company. So everything now is going autonomous and electrical. Everyone wants to do like electric engines and all that. Well, I, I see that. So I'm already starting to make connections with that now before everyone starts to get on that bandwagon. So with the connections I've just made down at AUSA, hopefully we'll get some work out of that. Yeah, that's great. You've been here for about three months, you said. Um, so where do you see the company going um, in the next couple of years? Of course, CDM still currently growing. Um, I've been here for a little over seven years now. It's been almost night and day, really. It's, it's unbelievable. But where do you see the, the company going in the next couple of years? It can only go up from here. Yeah. It really can't go down. Because all of our equipment is already on so many military vehicles. We have a great reputation through the industry. It can only go up. So I foresee us doing growing two or three times the size within the next five years. Wow. Which is pretty impressive for, for what we do. What are you finding most interesting or even most challenging as far as your role goes here? I don't really find the role challenging whatsoever because I have a a good person, I can just talk to people. Mm-hmm. Yep. I always haven't been that way, though. I had to grow into that within the last three, four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be a general manager for a retail shop. I had to talk to people all the time about things that I know a lot about, like weaponry. I, I just 
talk all day long about that. So if I have a passion for it and I know about it, it's, it's pretty easy for me to, to do this job. Yeah, I'm sure it comes with the territory as far as just knowing everything inside and out as far as what you're selling. I'm sure that gives you an advantage, too, to a lot of people here that just learn about it but not using it and knowing it. Yeah, it gives yeah. me a huge edge. Yeah. What kind of retail shop was it? Firearms. Oh, okay. Some, some people get a little squirrely about that. But I used to sell guns for a living. Okay. Yeah. And I, I taught a whole lot of people how to shoot firearms and, and train themselves for something that may or may not happen. Were you uh, based out of PA or was it more um, over the bridge here in Jersey? No, I was in PA. Okay. It was a good gig, man. I, I know a lot about that stuff. So if anyone wants to learn how to shoot firearms, you let me know. Yeah. I'll take <laughs> care of everything. I'm there, man. Yeah. I think my, my dad has a few a few different firearms and um I've, i used to go to the range with them all the time well, nice but i haven't uh haven't been there in a while so i need to need a refresher oh man let's go <laughs> yeah i need a refresher soon yeah play paintball one time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey man paintball is you have a different perspective when you have pain behind you yeah to move mm -hmm. and that's an invaluable tool yeah for sure do they use that as as far as just experience and training so it's called simunitions. Okay. And what they are, they're not a paintball. They're actually like a nine millimeter, uh, a round that comes out and it's plastic has a little bit of paint in it, but it lets you know you're getting hit by it. Mm. So that, that pain factor makes you move very quick and do what you have to do. Yeah. So there are simunitions that are something called UTMs. UTMs are ultimate training munitions. And what they are is to take the same everything that you got on your, on your, your weapon for, for the military, it shoots up a, a metal projectile with a little bit of paint on the end that really lets you know something's going on. And you wouldn't be surprised how hard they hit and how bad they hurt. Let's say from 10 feet away, they're going to go through a uniform and stick in your skin. So there is a, a need to get out of the way real fast. Yeah. It's actually really fun. Yeah. Really fun. <laughs> if you had fun playing paintball, you'd have a better time. Oh, yes. It, it was a good time. It was a little good. bit more intense. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. Like they'll, they'll, go through, they'll go through skin. Yeah. Like I've seen the guy get shot through his upper lip. Oh, wow. A lot of stitches. Yeah. 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 But he I kept bet. playing. He, he kept going the whole time. Yeah. Just rub some dirt on it and get back out yeah, there. That's <laughs> it, man. That's it. I know, obviously, you've, you've been here for a couple of months now, but um, what, what do you think? So far, what's the most interesting cable assembly or some type of connector that we've um, that we sell here? Is there anything that sticks out? Yeah, it really does. It's the uh, the part for the Apache, the thirty millimeter chain gun. We actually make a, a part that tells the round what to do. Oh, okay, coming out of the gun, so they're like you can have an airburst. Airburst means above fifteen feet above target, it's going to explode. It's going to rain down shrapnel. Or you could have it go through a wall, then blow up on the inside. So we make that part here. And that's, awesome. that's pretty cool. So besides the your involvement here with CDM, what else do you do outside of here? Are you still involved with anything, not just like the firearms, but anything with the military today? Or No, not anymore. Like when I got out of the military, I actually went to contracting as well. So I worked for the new Blackwater providing security for Department of State individuals. And then I rolled over to OGA for another four years. Anyone who wants to know what OGA is, you have to look that one up. You have a chance to thrive and shine here. And it's, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, I can 
I know what I'm talking about, and I'm, I'm very comfortable talking to people. Yeah. So I come through the office every day. I'm like, hey, I glad hand everyone. Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, how y'all doing? And, and it's just, it's a, it's fun energy around here, and mm-hmm. everyone gets along it, very it, well. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's, it's amazing um, all around. Front office, warehouse. I mean, everybody's just so friendly and yeah. willing to to talk about, and, you know, just just about life in general, and just just about the industry. And we have a very positive atmosphere over here at CDM. You have to have a positive atmosphere because if you don't. Your business is going to go downhill. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think it's great to see CDM growing as far as getting an individual like you involved in sales and explaining how some of these products that we sell work. I think it's huge as far as the growth of the company goes. Yeah, it's almost invaluable. Yeah, I don't know the right word for it, but it's I bring legitimacy to CDM's product because hmm. everything I used in the military and in the contracting world. Or parts that we make mm-hmm. across the board. So I can say that, hey, this this company saved my life. And that's invaluable. It brings that, hey, the, these guys are, are the legit company in the, in the industry. So do you want to tell us a little something about yourself that others might not know, even just outside of the military or just, just anything? I'm a family man. Yeah. I like to go home, hang out with my dogs. Uh, I do fishing a lot. I don't do hunting too much anymore because it's not really worth hunting around in Pennsylvania anymore. But, uh, yeah, I like to go fishing, have a good time, and it's family man. Kind of, uh, kind of dogs do you have? So I got one that's called a blackmouth cur, okay. which is a southern hunting dog. Smartest dog I've ever had in my life. I think I've seen them. Um before yeah they're uh they're like a, well, like a medium-sized dog or yeah. Are they yeah 72 pounds yeah and the other one i'm i think it's like a pit bull jack russell mix wow it is a wild animal i'm sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my one buddy had a uh, jack russell he was uh he was it was pretty hyper I, I lived at that house for a couple months and he was always anytime i walked through the door jumping up and down oh yeah but yeah it's great they're good dogs though oh, fantastic yeah. dogs yeah. So is there anything else you want to talk about? Like, I know you said you had some stories. Anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners here? Well, my wife was a former lieutenant colonel oh. in the Army, and I met her in Afghanistan. Uh, when did you meet her? 2017. Okay. So I, I'm a big weightlifter. I'm, I'm a pretty big fella. I, um, I tore my left tricep. Tricep means you got three. I tore one out of three. Hmm. And she's an orthopedic surgeon. I had no idea. So one of the guys brought me over to see her, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> hey, how you doing?" There you go. <laughs> so she told me she goes, "You you tore your you tore from muscle." I'm like, "No way in hell." She goes, "You want to see the X ray?" I'm like, "Yeah." She showed me X ray. I was like, "Holy shit, that's that's kind of cool." It's not kind of cool that it hurts, but it's kind of cool that like you can actually see it. Yeah. So. Uh, here's the funny part. <laughs> she gave me a sticky note that heard her name, phone number, and email. I'm like, I'm in. I'm good to go. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. we go. There we go. Yeah, absolutely not. She gave that to everyone in case they needed anything else on their medical records <laughs> oh. when they would left. Oh, and man. I, I told her that, and she goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you take her tricep? So, actually... Lifting weights. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was doing a close hand press. I had 135 pounds on the, on the um, easy bar. 
And I'm going, going, going. And all of a sudden, it sounds like a gunshot. Pop. And one of the guys who's next to me goes, I'm not a doctor, but uh, you should probably stop doing that right about now. I was like, let me try one more. I couldn't even do one more. Oh, man. Yeah. So I was doing 135 pounds. And then a week later, I was doing five. Oh. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. It hurt bad. (laughs) It hurt real, real bad. So is is your wife, is she... She's from the United States, but like, is she oh. from the East Coast or? She's originally from Tampa. Okay. She lives in PA. Uh, yeah. So she, that was her fourth, her fourth combat deployment. Wow. And she was a, a trauma surgeon. So let's just say anything my guys may have did to someone, she saw the end result. Hmm. And that's, that's a lot to weigh on someone. I'm sure. But yeah, yeah. she's, she's fantastic, man. Another one of the good things that came out of the whole experience for you. Yeah, probably the best things came yeah. out of the experience for me. It's great. That's pretty cool. It's really cool, man. It's like a love story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how many times did you uh, shoot the javelin? Four. Four times? Four times. They're, they're expensive, aren't they? So the, the clue is called a command launch unit, which is the actual part that uh, gets everything going for the missile. It's 250000 Yeah. The javelin itself is only 80000 Okay. You have to yeah. shoot that within four minutes of actually operating the unit. Because it sends nitrogen to cool down the missile, therefore it has an optical window on the actual nose cone. There's two two modes. It's a direct fire or attack from above. So it can fly straight or it goes up and hits the top of the tank coming down. So you could hit that against like a hardened structure or a cave or a vehicle, like a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Per se, you know that would that would do the trick. Yeah, and it just it pops a hole in there, just does what it does. Yeah, I shot the javelin a couple times, but it was in Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. <laughs> 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 so not not quite the same thing. No, man, definitely not quite the same thing. <laughs> but that, that's so cool that you had that firsthand experience. Yeah, um, being in the military, um, handling all that machinery and, and just knowing the products that we sell here. I think yeah. that's, that's really just unbelievable. Yeah. I don't think, uh, we will have a very similar interview to this one, uh, with, with anybody else here. So that's it's true. It's a really interesting podcast session overall. I think it's awesome. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. What else yeah. you guys got? What was your role as far as being in the military? Like you always had a certain job. I'm sure it kind of works as a team and you have a certain obligation that you have to follow when you go in for a job or anything like that. Correct. So, so my first job was an ammo bearer. So I'm a pretty big guy. Mm-hmm. That means I'm, I'm carrying ammo for a machine gun. I deployed to Iraq and I had like a bandolier, which it's not like the old school bandolier where you see like bullets linked together. It's a bag that hangs off you. So I had a bag on my right shoulder bag on my left shoulder, and a backpack full. I jumped off a truck, and it was so heavy, I was smashing to the ground. Our, our very first raid we did was actually on a suspected bath party house for Iraq. So I had to climb up all these stairs, dump all the ammunition off, and look in an alley, not even knowing what's going on behind me. So you have to have tremendous trust in your guys. That's my first job. The second one, I was a team leader. I was in charge of four guys. As, as a team leader, whatever whatever role I take, like right, wrong, or indifferent, it, it can be challenged. You know what I mean? Hey, 
Sergeant E, that, that wasn't a great idea, or hey, how about we do it this way? I was always up for listening to everyone else. Because if the team isn't on, on par, it's a fractured team, and it just goes south real quick. I did that for two years as a squad leader. Then I went up to nine guys. Pretty much two alternate teams. I had team leaders who were in charge of teams, and I'm just pretty much I'm pulling the strings like a puppet master. From then I went up to a platoon sergeant, 35-man element. I was in charge of the 35 men, whatever they do. So in actuality, for the military, you're only you have a limited range of control. It's three to five. That's all you can really control. Anything past that gets a little squirrely. So for me as a platoon sergeant, I had four people that I was directly in control of. And they disseminated information. And I just, I got information, I just disseminated down what had to be done for the day. For a team leader, I was in charge of three guys. Squad leader, I'm in charge of two guys. You know, so it's just a trigger down effect. Um, and then when I was a contractor, I got to a site, and they're like, Emsley, you're in charge. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And they're like, well, you're going to figure it out. Well, I figured it out. So I was in charge of 45 guys, individual, which was kind of a pain in the butt. I can only imagine. That's a, that's a lot of guys. Yeah. And then I went to another site where I was a shift lead. Now I'm in charge of 16, but it's, it's directly exactly what they do. The whole 45 was, hey, you got to be in control of this guy who has this, 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 and that. After that, it was, it was a little bit more intense. And I've, once again, all the stuff that we make was all in the same equipment, too. How did you work your way up there? Did you always have to report to the same person? Never report to the same person. So sometimes, well, my first my first unit that I was with, I was with 75th Ranger Regiment for a short time, and I got hurt, and I got bumped up to the 82nd. I was there for, for several years. Uh, during that time at Fort Bragg, I went to 3rd Special Forces Group, too, so I'm a Green Beret as well, but no one knows that here. Wow. Everyone focuses on the whole Ranger thing. It was a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Uh, but, no, you always, chain of command is always changing. It's always changing. Like your company change of command. Sorry, your company chain of command. They're there for about two two years. Your company first sergeant, he's there for two years. Your squad leaders, they may come down in orders. They may leave three years later. So you're always evolving. What you're pretty much doing is you're learning the next guy's job who's ahead of yours. Because when he goes, you just step right in. That's pretty much how it goes. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking about, too, the, the parachute story that you were telling, too. Oh, uh, dude. What was going through your mind? I'm screwed. You were, just, you were just going down so fast. Yeah. So I jumped out at 800-foot AGL. That's 800 feet above ground level. So it was my last static line jump before I was going to Halo School. Jump out, and this guy... I'm going to say his last name, Small, So decided that he didn't want to walk to the assembly area. Your assembly area is off of your actual your drop zone. It may be in a corner. You take your parachute, turn all your stuff in. Well, he didn't want to walk that far. So something called a sky shark. He's pulling a slip. You got four risers on your parachute. You pull one side of it. You pull two sides to it. Actually kind of guide, guide your chute as you're falling. So if you pull it once on your left-hand side, right, you're going towards the left. Right, going towards the right. He pulled his left. Next thing you know, I feel something hit my parachute. I look up, and Spider-Man's laying on top of my stuff. 
Small gets up, runs off, steals my air, and I drop straight down. Oh. The stuff that I landed on was hard as the conference room floor. Yeah. So he fell on top. He came down on top of your chute. Correct. He stood up. Like, you're, when your chute is fully inflated, you can walk on it. So he stood up and ran off, and he stole my air. So I was below him. Now he took my air, and I just dropped straight down. Oh, no way. Yeah. And Damn. you were just going, you just all of a sudden just started dropping just dropping straight down. Going right down. I'm looking at the ground coming up at me, and I'm low. If I keep reaching for my feet, my leg's going to impact first and take all that brunt. I would have shattered my femurs. So I just wrote it, wrote it in and, and lay on my butt, and I, I paid the price. Small came running over to me. He goes, hey, man, you all right? I told him you better get a couple split words away from me right about now. That was the last time I actually saw the guy. He got yeah. kicked out of the actual unit. But now I have a neurostimulator implanted in my spine, which does allow me to feel pain centers going to my brain from my waist up. So you, just, you were just there, and then they, they called for help, and you were just... I was laying there. So mm-hmm. I rolled over on all fours and, and threw up everywhere. They took me to the actual hospital. You're, you're lucky to still be walking. I mean, yep. you walk fine to me. I've seen you walking around here. You're so looking good. I, I put on a good front. Yeah. Stay tuned for part two of CBM's Beyond the Connection podcast with business development manager Chris Emsley.